Good morning. Welcome to the Lord's house. Will you stand with us? We're excited that you're here. Let's worship together. remain standing. Happy Easter, Kavanaugh Church family. How's everyone doing today? Good. It is so good to see you guys. Our hearts are filled with joy up here to see it full out there. Amen. Amen. It's good. Hey, Jesus is alive this morning. Not only is he just alive, but he is alive in us, just like that song said. So he had victory on the cross. He had victory over the grave. And because of that, you and I can have victory today. All right? And I didn't even mean for it to rhyme. Anyways, I'm so glad you are here. I'm going to ask God to bless our services today. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for bringing us together. It is so good to be in this place together as a family, God. So wonderful to be able to rejoice in person in your presence for what you've done for us. Thank you for redeeming us. Thank you for providing a way of salvation. Thank you. Thank you for making us your own. Now, God, I just pray the rest of our services this morning, we just lift up your name. We give you all the praise that we can give. We worship you in like no other way before, and we just listen to what you have to say. Be with Brother Will as he brings us the message. 
And again, thank you for bringing us all together this morning. In your name, amen. Let's continue to praise.
impossible situation that we find ourselves in, Father. You have the power to change it and to deliver us. We just want to offer our praise and our worship to you, our risen Savior this morning. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Shame is a prison as cruel as a grave. Shame is a robber and he's come to take my name. Love is my redeemer lifting me up from the ground. Love is the power where my freedom song is found. There ain't no grave. There ain't no grave 
is a resurrection. Love is a trumpet sound. Love is my weapon. I'm gonna take my giants down. There ain't no
could hold his body down. There's no way could hold my body down. I don't even have to preach now, do I? <laughs> Ain't no grave going to hold his body down or my body. Tell you what, uh, Bethel Music and Molly Skaggs ain't got nothing on Kavanaugh Praise Team and Sherry Stell. So good job, guys. That was awesome. Fantastic. Well, welcome, welcome to Easter service. Glad that you're here. Those online, thank you for watching as well. Uh, a little girl uh, crawled up into her granddaddy's lap and they kind of cuddled. Now, I've experienced this, and there ain't nothing like it, all right? And, and this little girl with her big blue eyes looked up at her granddaddy and said, Granddaddy, would you please make the sound a frog makes? And without hesitation, and in his best frog voice, the granddaddy said, Ribbit, ribbit. Well, that beautiful little granddaughter jumped out of her granddaddy's lap and went running through the house. We're going to Disneyland. We're going to Disneyland. Let's pack our bags. We're going to Disneyland. The mama grabbed the little girl and said, baby, what in the world are you talking about? What do you mean we're going to Disneyland? Why would you even say that? She said, because mama, you told us we could go to Disneyland as soon as grandpa croaks. You know, for some people, death is an enemy, but for other people, death is a friend. The truth is, we're all going to croak. Eh? Unless Jesus comes back in our lifetime, all of us are going down. Now, I, I don't know how you feel about that this morning, but I do have some good news for you. The grave couldn't hold Jesus down. Jesus rose from the grave, and because of that, you know what? The grave ain't going to hold our body down either. Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. This is one of the longest chapters in the New Testament. And in the entire chapter, Paul is talking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ and how that impacts our life and our future. I want to read the last segment of Scripture to you, 1 Corinthians 15, beginning in verse 50. Are you ready? Here we go. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump of God, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we will be changed." For this corruptible must put on incorruption. This mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O grave, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin. And the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd bless the reading of your word. As I try to speak it on the outside, I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak it into our hearts. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Now, the Corinthians had a problem with what Paul is writing about here. Those believers had no problem in believing in salvation. They had no problem believing that their spirits would one day go on and be with the Lord. What they had a problem with is a physical bodily 
resurrection. And by the way, let me do a quick time out here. Do you know that if you are in Jesus Christ and you die and are buried in a tomb, do you know that one day you will have a resurrection? Do you realize that? Do you know that you will literally and actually and physically rise out of that grave? Your body will. I think that's pretty good news, don't you? Because when we do, we're going to look a whole lot different than we do right now. And in all the polls that I've read, when these magazines ask the question, what is one thing that you could change about your life, what would it be? Invariably, people say something about their physical appearance. Now, you're not willing to admit it this morning, but you know what? If it was just me and you and I asked that question, you would have something you'd like to change about your physical appearance. Your, your height, your weight, your hair, your eyes, something about the way that you came into this world you just don't really like and you would like to change it. We, we all have something we want to change about our physical appearance. Well, that's going to happen when we rise up out of that grave. The Bible calls it glory or glorification. Your body is going to be glorified. We're going to go from glorified to glorified. Come on, I worked really hard for that one. <laughs> You're going to go from glorified to glorified. And that is an amazing thing. Let's look at this last paragraph in chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians. I, I want you to notice the four factors that point out our final victory in Jesus Christ. Number one, death cannot hurt us. Amen. The greatest thing that we fear is death and the sting of death and the pain that is going to come when we breathe our last breath. But because of Jesus and the empty tomb, you need to realize death cannot hurt us anymore. Look at how this begins in verse 50. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood, that is our physical body. That's what he's talking about. This tent that we're living in. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Nor does corruption... And that's what your body is. It is corrupt. It is sinful. Nor does corruption inherit what? Incorruption. In other words, our physical bodies are not suited for the future kingdom. Our physical bodies were not made for heaven. Simply put, we're going to be moving out of these tents. And the place that we're moving requires special equipment. Did you know that special equipment is needed for special places? Special places need special equipment. If you want to go into outer space, you're going to need a spacesuit to be able to exist, to be able to breathe. A special place requires special equipment. If you want to go down to the bottom of the ocean, you need special equipment so that you can breathe and exist. You're in a foreign environment. Special places require special equipment. Now, our present bodies, these physical bodies, are subject to disease and death and decay and deterioration. The place where we're going, heaven, is not subject to any of those things. So that raises a real problem. How can these bodies ever be suited for that perfect place? And Paul's answer in 1 Corinthians 15, the resurrection. Just as Jesus rose out of the grave and ascended into heaven, one day your physical body will have that same victory. And your body is going to be changed. Now, we don't experience that victory here. At least I haven't experienced that victory here. Have you? I mean, when was the last time you looked into a mirror and just thought, oh my goodness. I am absolutely amazing. <laughs> it can't get any better than this. Not quite, right? We really say the opposite, don't we? I, I watched an interesting documentary a few years ago on the History Channel about, uh, about superstar aging supermodels. And I thought, hey, I need to watch this because I live with a supermodel. And so... I was watching this show, and, and here's what it said. Aging supermodels come to one conclusion. 
their career is very short. Because they can only look the way they look for a very short amount of time, and then they're going to get shelled for somebody who's younger and prettier. So what I'm saying to you this morning is pretty good news. There's got to be a change in our physical bodies. There must be a transformation. And that transformation that Paul is talking about here is either going to be a physical resurrection of our body or we're going to be a part of the rapture. Those are the two options. Physical resurrection or the rapture. Notice what he says in verse 51. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. I know of a particular church who uses that verse as a theme or a motto, and they put it over their, the door of their nursery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Huh? I, th- I, think, I think they took it out of context just a little bit, all right? He, he goes on to say this in verse 52. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So Paul begins this by saying, let me explain this mystery to you. And I don't want you to get hung up on that word mystery. It simply means I've got some new information for you that you don't quite understand, but you will understand it when I explain it to you. And this is his explanation. Not all believers are going to be dead when Jesus comes back. Some believers will actually be alive when the Lord returns. And when Jesus returns, he is going to transform everything. The dead in Christ are going to raise out of the graves, and those who are alive are going to meet them in the air transformation is going to take place for all of us. Whether you're dead or whether you're alive, when Jesus comes back, a change occurs. And that is the mystery he's talking about. Our perishable bodies must at some point take on an imperishable form because of where we're going. So let me say it like this. You can't take what you got to heaven, this body. I said this was good news, and I think it is. You know why? Because I don't want to look like this forever. Do you? Now, I know there may be one or two of you in this room who are handsome and beautiful and young, and you're going, I don't know, it's pretty good. I guess it's pretty good right now. Can can I just, just wait? Just wait. Just wait. Because all that changes. So how is this going to happen? How is this resurrection and this transformation going to happen? Paul told us in verse 52. He said it's going to happen in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, and at the last trumpet sound. Those are the three indicators. The word moment is a Greek word, atomus. From it, we get our English word atom. And it literally means something that cannot be divided, something that cannot be split or cut in two. It is the shortest amount of time possible. It is a flash. And then he goes on to elaborate that. He says, in the twinkling of an eye. Now, what in the world is he talking about there? Well, it's not the blinking of an eye. Look at your neighbor and blink your eyes. Okay, that's pretty fast, isn't it? They've actually calculated how fast that is. That is one-thirtieth of a second. That's pretty fast. But what he's talking about is even faster than that. The twinkling of an eye is believed to be the amount of time it takes for light to enter the iris and hit the retina. Are you with me? And how fast is that, Pastor? Well, they've timed it. It's one-sixth of a nanosecond. So it's not a second. It's not a split second. It's not even a nanosecond. It is one-sixth of a nanosecond. It is an amazingly short amount of time, an amount of time that you can't even divide. It's in the twinkling of an eye. Boom! Jesus is coming back. So what does that mean? In reality, for you and me, what does it mean? Everybody look at me. This is really important. 
This is a truth I learned when I was like seven or eight years old at the West Side Free Will Baptist Church in Midland, Texas, and I have never gotten this image out of my mind. My Aunt Pat Cates taught it to me. She would say to us kids, she said, you need to make sure you're right with Jesus. You need to make sure that you're saved and you're going to heaven because when Jesus comes back and he busts open that sky and he comes for his church, if you're not ready, there's not going to be any time to get ready. It's not going to be, hmm, I see a cloud moving up there. Hmm, I think that is the hand of God coming through that cloud. Hey, you better, you better confess your sins right now. Get, get up. Oh, I see his foot coming out of that. Get down and pray right now while you still have time. You're not going to have that. It's going to be in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, one-sixth of a nanosecond, and boom! Jesus is coming back. Now, when is this going to happen? Well, the verse tells us. It's going to happen at the last trumpet. Now, go back in your Bible sometime and study the blowing of a trumpet. It goes all the way back to the Old Testament. When the children of Israel were wandering in the wilderness, it was through a trumpet blast that they were instructed on what to do. There's a couple of million people out in the wilderness. And so when the trumpet blew, they knew what to do. It depends on how the trumpet sounded, whether it was a quick blow or a long blow, whether it was two blows or one blow. They knew what to do. When they went to battle, there would be the sounding of the trumpet, and they would go to fight. That trumpet is all the way through the New Testament, and there is a final ending trumpet at the end of the book of Revelation. The trumpet that is talked about here is the trumpet that announces Jesus is coming back for his church. And brother and sister, you need to be ready when Jesus comes back. Paul talks more about this in 1 Thessalonians, verses chapter 4, 16 and 17. He said, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, the voice of an archangel. So here's another indicator. That angel is going to shout. Then the trumpet is going to blow. The trumpet of God is going to blow. And the dead in Christ will rise first. He goes on to say, then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus shall we always be with the Lord. Now, I'll read this passage when I do funeral services, and here's what I say. I don't know that I completely understand this. I surely can't explain it all, but I believe it. One day it's going to happen. Jesus is going to come back. It's going to be in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye. That old Gabriel is going to shout, the trumpet is going to blow, and the dead in Christ, everyone who was a believer on this earth who has died and their body is in the grave, those graves are going to bust open and that body is going to be resurrected. What about, what about those, those places in the world where there is a a cemetery, a grave, and, and then there's another grave on top of it and another grave, but they're just going to push through, man. <laughs> they're just going to, they're going to be going up to heaven with Jesus. And if you're alive during all of that, you're going to meet them in the sky, meet them in the air, and be with the Lord Jesus Christ forever. Wow, man. And it's going to happen. Let's go back to our passage in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 54. When this corruptible has put on incorruption, and again, that's talking about your physical body, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Now, what Paul is doing is quoting from two Old Testament prophets. First, he's quoting from Isaiah chapter 25. Here's what Isaiah said. He will swallow up death forever. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces. So God is going to deal with death. And then the prophet Hosea says this in chapter 13, verse 14. I will ransom them from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. And remember this phrase, O death, I will be your plagues. O grave, I will be your destruction. So Isaiah, Hosea, and the Apostle Paul is telling us the same thing. 
God is announcing to death that he's going to bring an end to death. He is going to destroy death and the grave. So here's the good news for you. Death can't hurt you. Death can't hurt you. Death can't hurt you. And the second truth that we build on that is this. Hell can't have you. Because death can't hurt you, hell can't have you. And can I tell you, those flames in the fire of hell are leaping out trying to grab you. The devil wants you in hell with him for all eternity. Look at verse 55. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? Paul is quoting Hosea there. Remember Hosea chapter 13, verse 14. He talked about, oh, death and oh, grave. You know what this is? Literally, it is a taunt. It is written in poetic form. It is a song that could be sung. In fact, some people think that when the rapture comes and the dead in Christ rise first, and then those of us who are alive will be caught up with them in there, they think, some people think, that we're going to be singing this verse, this taunting song. Now, I don't know if that's true or not, but it would be a good thing to memorize (laughs) and maybe practice a little bit. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? I, I think that's a great thing to say. I mean, it's kind of fun to say it, isn't it? It's kind of like nanny, nanny, (laughs) poo-poo. Literally, it is taunting death. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? Death is powerless. Dying holds no dread. The grave holds no grief. And hell cannot have us. That's what he means by this. Look at verses 56 and 57. The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Listen, all of us have faced this. We have had a lifelong battle with our old nature, the flesh. I mean, I was fighting the flesh this morning. Galatians 5 says, the flesh wars against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. Remember Paul talking about this? Paul Paul said, you know, there are things that I know that I need to be doing. They are the right things to do. But something inside of me just won't let me do those things. And I do the wrong thing instead. Can anybody relate to that? That is the spirit and the flesh warring against each other. They are contrary to each other. But the battle itself anticipates a victory. All battles anticipate a victory, right? I mean, somebody's got to win and somebody's got to lose. They went into overtime last night. Somebody had to win, somebody had to lose. Boy, it came in an amazing fashion, didn't it? Buzzer beater, almost a mid-court shot, sent Gonzaga into the final championship, and tomorrow night they're going to play the who? Baylor Bears. Callie, this is amazing. It's the Catholics against the Baptists tomorrow night. (laughs) In every battle, somebody's got to win, and somebody's going to lose. Somebody's going to win, and somebody is going to lose. You know what? Jesus fought a battle, and Jesus won the battle. Remember that song that our praise team sang? There was a battle, a war between death and life. There on a tree, the Lamb of God was crucified. He went on down to hell, Revelation chapter 1, and he took back every key. He rose up as a lion, and he's setting the captives free. Here's the good news, church. Death can't hurt us, hell can't have us, and the grave can't hold us. (laughs) You can clap. Oh, death, where's your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? Well, let me tell you, Jesus took back every key. He rose up as a lion. He's setting the captives free. There ain't no grave going to hold my body down 
when I hear that trumpet sound, I'm going to rise up out of the ground. How can I do that? It's because of Jesus. Jesus won the victory over death, hell, and the grave. Therefore, death can't hurt me, hell can't have me, and the grave can't hold me. And if he walked out of the grave, woo, I'm walking too. Man. And then one last thing. The world can't halt us. The world can't stop us. Why? Because we're walking on victory's side. Dude, let me tell you, I've read the end of the book, and I don't care how bad it looks and how bad it gets and how degraded our society comes, we win. In Jesus, we win. And this old world, it can't stop us. Look at how Paul finishes this amazing chapter. He has spent 57 verses talking about the resurrection of Jesus and how that affects our personal life and that we can rise from the dead. And because of all that, he says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Kavanaugh Church, be steadfast. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't stop doing what you're doing. Don't turn around. Don't lose your faith. Don't quit serving Jesus. Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Why? Knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. In other words, everything you do for Jesus matters. Doesn't matter what it is. What you do for Jesus matters. Why? Because there is a lost world out here. People are literally dying and going to hell. And we've got the good news. We know the victory news. We've got to be able to tell them that death can't hurt them. Hell can't have them. The grave can't hold them. That's the good news we have. And it's our turn. It is our turn to spread the good news. It is our turn, church, you here today, those of you watching online, those who were in the first service, it's our turn to step up to the plate or the foul line and make a shot for God. It's our turn to do something great in the kingdom of God. Why? Because we have the victory. The people before us, they did it. It's our turn to do it. Now, I'm going to piggyback on the resurrection today. Because we are relaunching, it's our campaign, it's our turn. We've already started the building, in a few months it's going to be completed, but you know what? It's our turn to step up to the plate and do something big for the kingdom of God. A year ago, we, we shared this video with you. You have slept for like 400 nights since then, and I think you've forgotten the video. Would you just watch this video with me, will you? Yeah. Come on, will you? Yeah. Let's remember this video. When I was a kid growing up, one of the songs we used to sing in church was Trust and Obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. You know, after 40 years in the ministry, I, I think that that song gives us the two ingredients for a successful Christian life. You trust God and you obey God. You, you trust Him with everything, with your life, your family, your finances, your future. And then you obey him, no matter what he tells you to do, no matter how crazy it seems, no matter how impossible it sounds, you simply trust and obey. I've learned that lesson through scripture, through my own personal experience, but then also through the lives of the people of Kavanaugh Church. Uh, they have trusted God and obeyed God, no matter what he has told them to do. Over the years, we have relocated and we've built six different buildings. And every time God said build, our people did what God told them to do. It all began in November of 1962. A, a small group of people decided there needed to be a Free Will Baptist Church on the south side of Fort Smith. So in Brother Shipley's home, 
in the Kavanaugh community, they started meeting. In March of 1963, they organized into the Kavanaugh Free Will Baptist Church. There were 32 charter members of that original congregation. A few months later, they bought a plot of land on Holly Street next to Kavanaugh Road, and they built our first building. God told them to do it, and they simply obeyed. A few years later, they added on to that building with an educational building. Then in 1975, they bought the four acres here at 28th and Grinnell. The following year, 1976, they broke ground, trusting God and obeying, and built our first building, which is now our Family Life Center. In 2011, the church voted to do two things. We were gonna buy all the property east of us that connected to our church property and build a new worship center and added parking lot. Uh, we're gonna break ground and we're going to begin a capital stewardship campaign called It's Our Turn. You see the people in the 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s stepped out in faith and did what God told them to do. Church, it's our turn to trust God and obey Him. Uh, we're gonna build a 24,000 square foot auditorium. It's gonna be awesome, seat about 1,100 people. Uh, it's gonna be a massive entryway of 4,500 square feet, huge bathrooms, uh, which are well needed. Uh, it's gonna have a secure We Worship area that goes right into where we have Children's Church. A lot of people may say, hey, it's, it's impossible. No, no, if, if you make God your partner, you need to make your plans big. And so this is a big plan, but we can do it. Kavanaugh Church, I'm gonna be asking you during a four week campaign period to pray and, and seek God's face and ask God what you need to be doing and giving so that we can see it's our turn come to fulfillment. Our key passage is Numbers chapter 13, verse 30. The uh, children of Israel were about to go into the promised land. They sent 12 spies to investigate and see if the land really was as good as what God promised. They were there for 40 days, came back with, with glowing reports. Yes, it is a land flowing with milk and honey. But 10 of the 12 said, we can't take it. There are giants in the land. They look like giants and to them we look like little grasshoppers. They will annihilate us if we go into the land. Two of the spies had a different story. They said, yeah, there are giants, but you know what? God has given us the land and we can take the land. That was Joshua and Caleb. And in verse 30, Caleb said, let us go up and possess the land for we can certainly do it. Kavanaugh Church, we can do it because it's our turn. Because of the resurrection of Jesus, we need to be doing something in the kingdom of God. Let me, let me just take you through this timeline real quick. There's a picture of Brother Shipley back in 1963. Actually, I can go back further with Brother Shipley. In 1952, he started the first Free Will Baptist Church in Greenwood, Arkansas. And 10 years later, 1962, he started the Kavanaugh Free Will Baptist Church. In 1963, on this timeline down here, if you can see 63, that's when they formed with 32 charter members. 1964, they built that first building on Holly Street. 1971, those people built an educational building on top of that. In 76, we built the first building here, which is now our gym. In 1983, we built the daycare gym, which is now Brother Johnny's kids area. In 1993, this sanctuary was built. In 1998, we built our educational and office space. And in 2021, we are building a new worship center with We Worship and a whole lot of parking. So we've gone to Brother Shipley all the way over here. Do you notice that picture is different? That was last year when we were breaking ground, all right? And since then, this building has been erected. It's going to be finished in July. And on August the 15th, we're going to have a dedication service so that we can have a massive facility to reach people for Jesus. But here's the key thing. I shared with you that timeline about buildings that we built. Can I tell you, it's not about buildings. 
It's not about brick and mortar and carpet and sound booths and stuff like that. You know what it's about? It's about people. Because I don't care where I go on this timeline, somewhere on this timeline, you fit. Because somewhere in the history of this church, God spoke to you. And you realize the truth of the resurrection is real. Jesus did die for my sins. He saved me. And because of his glorious resurrection, I can have new life in Jesus. And somewhere on this timeline, you accepted Christ. And God brought you into this fellowship. You became a part of Kavanaugh Church. And it is now your church for life. That's what this timeline is about. It's about you. Because somebody that you don't even know, somebody in the past had a vision that one day this church is going to be full of people. And they decided that, you know what, we need to have a building for them. And they stepped out in faith and they built all the buildings we have. You know what we're doing? We're looking into the future. This new building is not necessarily about us or about our kids going into a great we worship area. It is about their future and about the future of people who are going to come 10, 20, 30, 40 years down the road. It's about people. Jesus loves people. Jesus loves you. And it's your turn to step up and do something big for God. I'm going to ask that you stand right now where you are. If you're watching online, you can stand up too. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? I really believe that through this message, God has spoken to you in some way because there are people here who, who you're afraid of death. You, you need to realize death can't hurt you. Hell can't have you. The grave can't hold you. Jesus loves you and he died for you. And he wants to give you new life. And if you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you need to do it today because he's coming back. And when he comes back, there's not going to be time to get ready. You need to get ready right now. So if you've never invited Jesus into your heart and you want to, you can do it right now, right where you're standing. Just repeat this prayer after me. Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. I believe you died on the cross for me. And I confess you as Lord of my life. And if you prayed that prayer, come see me or Jason or Nathan or Johnny or Ray or one of the other pastors after the service. We, we want to help you in your relationship and growth with Jesus. But if you're here today and you are a believer, you know what? You've already got that victory. Amen? Amen. And so right now you want to pray a prayer like this. Dear Jesus, take me and use me in your kingdom's work. Lord, I realize it's my turn to do something big for you. And Lord, I'm willing to step out in faith and do whatever it is you ask me to do. And I pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. 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 Give God a hand, would you? Wow. You, you can be seated just for a second. Just for a second, be seated. Boy, it's good to have you here today. I'm looking out here and I'm just, I'm blown away because you're back. Thanks for coming back to church. Wow. It's been a long journey, and I so appreciate Asa Hutchinson, our, our governor, who has led us through this difficult time, but it's good. It's good to have those ropes down, and it's good to see you this morning. Don't, don't forget, come back next week, because it's even going to get better when we come back. A couple of instructions. When you walk out of the room, no matter which exit you use, uh, we've got those black boxes. That's for your offering to put into the box. Come back next week and the following week and the week after that, all the weeks in April, because we're going to be talking more about It's Our Turn and how you can be a part of doing something great in the kingdom of God. Next Sunday when you come, there's going to be refreshments in the gym between services, after services, and if you have any questions about It's Our Turn or you want to get a, uh, a walkthrough of the new building, we're going to be doing that back there. So if you got a question, come, eat a cookie, have a Coke, ask your question, we'll answer it. Also, the 25th of the month, the last Sunday, is going to be our big commitment day when we make our commitments of how we're going to help in this campaign. 
The day before that, on the 24th, we're going to have a 24-hour prayer vigil where somebody is going to be up here at the church praying that entire time. Uh, Miss Karen Nichols is going to be in this room right before you get into the gym, a table set up. She's taking names of volunteers of people who will come and pray for an hour on Saturday the 24th. Please stop by and see her. Now, when you leave here, just walk straight back to the gym. There are a bunch of cookies and waters and drinks for kids, and these cookies are good because I tested them, all right? <laughs> They're individually wrapped, so you don't have to be afraid of getting germs. Go back and get a cookie, and then we have all these photo booths set up back there where you can have a family Easter picture. There is even a booth set up outside on this wall of the building, so you can go out there as well. We got real live critters back there. What, what's back there? Rabbits? Yeah, bunnies. bunnies? Ducks? ducks chicks? chicks? And newborn baby goats. A, listen, newborn baby goats. 14 hours old? Oh, my goodness. Wow. So get back there with your kids. Spend some time. Eat a cookie. Take a picture. It's going to be awesome, right? Amen. If you're a guest, stop by our Connect counter. We've got a gift for you. Thank you for being here. I want you to know the staff loves you. I love you. But most of all, God loves you. We'll see you.